I call it luck. In my experience, there's no such thing as luck. Canto by Dispatch. Today I'm Brittany and joining me today, as always, is my friend Emily Lynn. Hi Emily. Hi Brittany. How are you? I'm okay. How are you doing? Eh, I'm doing okay. I'm in one of those moods where like just everything j- pisses me off. Okay. Okay. I'll be careful then. No, you're fine. You, th- Emily, you could never piss me off. It's so that's like, that's probably not a theory that you want to test. I, I mean, I just, I don't know what you could do. I mean, just everything is just like falling apart. Like my backup audio was falling apart. Like I was just telling you that I was like trying to test it out. And then like my voice was echoing and there was just a piano playing in the background. And I'm like, oh no, this isn't going to work. So yeah, I just, I need to relax. And I think talking about Star Wars and Mendo will help that relaxing process. There we go. Mendo is pretty relaxing. Oh, yeah. Especially this version of Mendo. Like, whew. Flannel t-shirts and... Oh. Anyways, how are you doing? How's your week been? Um, It's okay. I saw lots of movies and that was about it. What movies did you see? Okay, so I saw uh, the new Guy Ritchie movie, The Gentleman, and then I saw, and I realized this is a good right, I did see Doolittle, and then I saw the new Nick Cage, H.P. Uh, Lovecraft, uh, Color Out of Space. I need reviews of every single movie, including <laughs> Doolittle. Okay, um, The Gentleman is weird because it is Guy Ritchie making a movie like the movie he movies he made like what like 25 years ago I don't remember when Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels came out but it so it feels I don't know it feels kind of dated it also feels kind of like when when Lockstock and uh, Snatch came out there were a lot of those kind of cockney crime cool comedies that ripped him off and it feels almost more like a ripoff as one of his movies the cast is really good Hugh Grant's hilarious um I love Colin Farrell 
like he's one of my favorite actors working today. He's funny. McConaughey is doing McConaughey, only he's dressed in like a teed tweed suit. Um, Charlie Hunnam is surprisingly good. I normally don't rate him very much, but I liked him in this. But it's it's very much a movie that is less than the sum of its parts. Like, I like all the cast. On paper, I like everything that's happening. I mean, except there is some weird racism stuff that's not great um, when it comes to, like, the the Chinese crime syndicate that there also is in this movie. Um, but it never, it never, just it never, all, it never quite comes together. And also, Jeremy Strong, who I also quite like, at least I really like him in Succession, is doing, he is like a rival crime boss, and he is doing, I don't even quite know how to describe it, because it's like he's doing an SNL character. It's this very, like, a fat, um, like a gay caricature, but like a gay caricature from like the 80s or something. Like it's, it's, I don't understand what this performance is. He's doing it, like he has his, like, he's doing weird things with his face the entire movie. It's really distracting. And I don't, I like, I don't understand why that it is the performance that it is. Hmm. It's, it's so weird. Wasn't Guy Ritchie married to Madonna? Yes. And made, um, what was that terrible movie he made for her? The one where she sings? Swept, swept away, is that it? He made some terrible, like, oh man. Let me figure out which one that is. You swept away. Which is like they're on like an island somewhere. It was like a romantic comedy. That I believed, I believed is totally bombed. Yeah, I don't think that works out well when you try to make something for like your partner. Because Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez did that. That one movie, I can't think of the name, and apparently that was really bad. Oh, uh, 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 Geely. Geely, yeah. So, Doolittle. It's, I say, like, genuinely, no hyperbole, one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Oh, just, what makes it bad? I mean... I mean, everything, they, first off, Robert Downey Jr. is doing this accent. And whether it's British or Scottish or Irish, it kind of depends on the scene. And even, even if it were one of those, like, they're all bad, but it is outrageous. I don't under like, why is he in this movie? Um, it's, it feels like a lot of the movie is missing. Like you go from one scene to another and there'll be a, 
another person who's in this movie. Emma Thompson is the parrot who is narrating the movie. There's a parrot that narrates the movie. And she'll just be like, (laughs) well, yeah, because it's, you know, it's Doolittle. So there's talking animals. And she's playing the parrot called Polly and is narrating the movie. But it'll be like, and the narration will be like, and then they got into another grand adventure and they escaped. And now they're at this place. And I'm like, wait, but what happened? Why are we not seeing that grand adventure? Why are we just suddenly on a pirate island where Antonio Banderas is there? Wow. Antonio Banderas is playing like his, his like ex-father-in-law because, okay, here's what this movie is about. It opens up on like a cartoon and it's explaining, you know, Dr. Doolittle who has his power to speak to animals and how everybody like thought it was the best and like he helped the queen and the queen gave him this land to use in an animal preserve and he met his like this woman who was a great adventurer and then she went on an adventure and she died and my friend steve and i just look at each other because we're like wait what (laughs) like because okay so as soon as like the wife is like mentioned i'm like okay the movie's going to be his wife was in a shipwreck and now like they thought she was dead and then it's going to be like oh the wife is alive let's go on an adventure to find the wife but it's not that the plot is the queen has been poisoned. And so there's an there's a specific tree on some island that might be mythical that grows the only thing that can like save the queen. It turns out the queen was not just like randomly poisoned. She was poisoned by like one of the main I, they never, I don't even think they give him a title. He's like the queen's like special advisor or whatever, played by Jim Broadbent. And he like poisoned her so he could somehow become king. I mean, that's not how the line of succession works at all. So that was a little bit weird. And then Michael Sheen is playing a rival doctor who hates Doolittle because they were in college together and Doolittle was a better doctor than him. And so, yeah, it's, here's another weird thing. There's lots of stuff because, you know, it's all talking animals and shit. So there's stuff that was obviously added in post, like once the movie, like post-production, like there's a scene when, when Dr. Doolittle says something and then this like duck just pops up from the corner of the screen and makes some like quack quack joke and then is gone. And it looks like it looks like it was like photoshopped on top of it. There's another scene towards the end where there's suddenly a like an orangutan that pops up and does a little dance and says that he that Doctor Doolittle may be able to cure everything, but he can't cure him from his dance fever. And then that's just gone. And there's no like reaction to it really from Robert Downey Jr. So obviously it was something that was like added, like just pasted into this movie. Oh my god. There's all sorts of ADR dialogue where character's back is turned when you hear something. So it's obviously like a joke that they added to make the movie funnier after filming. Because there's nobody on screen talking. It's just like, oh, here's a joke being said off screen. And then there's a dragon... Okay, and this is going to sound like a lie. When I read this in a review, I thought the person was joking. So there's a dragon 
who was guarding this this fruit on this island. And the dragon's upset and in pain. And Robert Downey Jr. realizes that the dragon's, like, colon is impacted. So this movie, the climax of this movie, is Robert Downey Jr. shoving his hand up a dragon's ass and pulling out, among other things, some skeletons and swords. And then the final thing is a bagpipe. There was a bagpipe and a dragon's and that, ass? Yeah, because the dragon has been eating people, you know. And then the dragon's like, hey, you're pretty nice. You pulled that bagpipe out of my ass. I'll show you where this tree is and then you can have the fruit so you can save the queen. The dragon knew that he was saving the queen? <laughs> I go with a talking dragon. Who was the dragon voiced by? I, I don't remember. <laughs> And then there, <laughs> there's a gorilla voiced um, by, um, what's his name from, um, the guy I don't like from Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, Rami Malek. Yeah, Rami Malek is voicing this gorilla who's like a really nervous gorilla. He's scared of everything. And, you know, Robert Downey Jr. is trying to make the gorilla less scared of things. And then when he's on Antonio Barris' Pirate Island, he, like Robert Downey Jr., there's a tiger voiced by Ray Fiennes, who is named, like, Barry Benson or something, and he's this bizarre Jewish stereotype who has problems with his mom. And so the tiger tiger tries to eat him, and then the gorilla bursts in and fights him and kicks the tiger in the dick. Oh, no. (laughs) And then a, like, a hare who is for some reason, also, like, in the jail across from, goes, oh, that's gotta hurt. <laughs> oh, no. And it's weird, because, like, okay, like, it, this is not a movie where animals are people. Like, Robert Downey Jr. has a special ability to talk to animals. And so the animals have personalities, but nobody else, like, treats animals as people. They're, you know, they're animals. Except there's this, I think it was a hare, who is in this pri- this se- cell next to robert downey jr who has like an eye patch and is obviously like a criminal hare who was placed in jail it's the only time any of the animals are like that he's just this rabbits in jail with no explanation i wonder what he did i need a backstory (laughs) i don't know voice i i believe by will arnett i don't remember i think yeah I mean, and Kwanon Johnny is voicing this ostrich, and I mean, at one point when they're on the pirate island, there's like, Jason Manzukis is a dragonfly, and he's talking to these ants to try to get them to help Robert Downey Jr., and these are like, like, New York gangster ants, basically, and they make a Godfather reference on this, you know, Middle Eastern-ish pirate island that they live on. I don't... 
I don't know. I don't know what this movie is. It's very bizarre. Like my friend, like we just kept glancing over at each other the entire movie, going, "What is happening? And why is this in this movie?" So how did it end? Oh, they come back in. They save. They save the queen and the queen's grave. Oh, the pro- okay. So you know, at the beginning of the movie, because his wife is dead, he's being all like crazy hermit, and he hasn't seen a. Uh, per another human in years and this girl from the castle comes to be like hey you gotta help the queen and by the way if the queen dies you know this land she gave you was only for the length of her life so if she dies you gotta go then you you and all the other animals are screwed so it ends with them like that you know they get back to the castle and for some reason for some reason and it's it's only mentioned at the very beginning of the very end of the movie when she's poisoned, Robert Downey Jr. has this line about how, oh, we only have until this total solar eclipse that's going to happen, <laughs> and then she'll die. And then you completely forget about that until the end of the movie, like they cut back, you know, and it's like, and everybody's there in the Queen's line in bed, and you see the eclipse start to happen. It's like, oh, no. And then... The the animals all burst in with Robert Downey Jr. and they and they save the queen and she's like, hey, you can have this land more now. And then he reopens his doors to help the animals again. What a beautiful ending! I mean, it is a disaster of a movie. And here's the thing: I do not understand. Why Robert Downey Jr.'s in it? Like, I understand, like, you know, some of the voice actors and stuff, that's a pretty easy gig to get some money, you know? You probably spend a day in a recording studio and you're done. But Robert Downey Jr. is a big enough star now that he's, like, very happy to walk away from Iron Man. I mean, like, I'm not making those movies anymore because he has all of the money he would ever need so i understand like if you're you know you're a working actor you just got to take whatever movie you can get like i you know there's no like oh you're such a sellout for doing like alvin and the chipmunks or whatever like no like david cross you know the comedian like got a lot of shit for doing alvin and the chipmunks and he's like but i i bought a i bought a house with that movie like that those movies are like my kid's college fund but Robert Downey Jr. like doesn't need to do this movie. Maybe he thought it was a really heartwarming story and he wanted something a little lighter than what he's been given the past 10 years. But what he, but what he what he has been doing is Iron Man. Iron Man's not it's not like he's been doing like serious like dramas. He's not making Darren Aronofsky movies. He's doing Iron Man. Those are family movies. I guess. But I mean, especially like the last two movies, it was a lot. I don't know. I just think that he saw the script and he's like, wow, this is garbage. I want it. But the script is, I mean, it's, he's never looked more bored. I, I don't, I don't know if this was a, hey, if you make this movie, then we'll let you like, you know, producer direct something like project that I've always wanted to do or something I don't know if it's that but like I 
I don't understand it. Like, I understand why Michael Sheen's in this movie. Michael Sheen's a name, but he's not, like, a huge A-list celebrity. So fine, whatever. He's just doing whatever shit comes his way. But, man. I think he has young kids, too. So maybe he did it for that. I don't know. Maybe he just wanted to get that ball rolling and continue doing work, even though that this movie was just a dumpster fire. I mean, it seems like he could have done pretty much anything, though. Like, Robert Downey Jr., at this point in his career, I gotta believe can, like, sell a movie that he wants to do. I don't know, though. Like, I don't know how he would do in, like, a a drama or, like... But he is, because that's what he used to do. Before all the, you know, before the, like, that was, like, stage one of his career. Back before the whole, and, and some, like, romantic comedies and stuff. And then he had the whole losing his goddamn mind and, you know, being a drug addict for a while. And he got cleaned up. And he did... He did Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which, I mean, not a drama, but, you know, it's it fairly dark comedy in, in a lot of it. And is just a solidly good movie. This is a, he is, I mean, like, he, Iron Man was not, like, a normal role for him. That, I, I, it's kind of shocking that the studio was willing to take him, really. I think John Favreau fought for him a lot. And then it happened to, you know, become a massive hit that nobody, in, in, in the realms of which nobody expected it to be. And he probably didn't expect to be playing that character for, you know, 10 years. But. Yeah. But he was a dramatic actor and he's really good at that shit. I think Iron Man is the only Robert Downey Jr. thing I've seen. So I, I need to go back in time and watch some Robert Downey Jr. movies to find out what kind of an actor he is because he's very good and i mean i don't i don't really like those sherlock movies the sherlock ones that he's in but speaking of garbage but he's good in those movies and but no he did like real real stuff and then he was on ollie McBeal for a while but then he got arrested again and so they had to write that character off sucks um what was the other movie that you saw? Um, Color Out of Space, which is based on a Lovecraft story and is this bizarre uh, body horror movie where Nick Cage and his family are sort of, you know, on the sticks on this farm. Um, and he has like a teenage daughter and son and then a young son and his wife's dying of cancer. And then one night... There's this big flash of, like, purpley light and something lands in the yard. And it looks like this meteor. But then weird shit starts to happen and everybody goes crazy. And animals start mutating and shit. And it gets real fucking gross. And it's directed by Richard Stanley, who, 
I want to look into this movie and see how it was funded and stuff because the story of Richard Stanley is he was making The Island of Dr. Moreau and I guess I think the mid-90s with um, Marlon Brando and Val Kilmer. And it was not going well. They're out in the jungle shooting this movie. It's completely insane. Um, you know, Val, this was at the height of Val Kilmer being a movie star. So he was a huge asshole. Marlon Brando was out of his goddamn mind and like kept making them rewrite parts of the movie. And the studio fires Stanley as the director. And Richard Stanley is nuts. There's a whole documentary about this. I forget what it's called. It's really, really good. Um, and because it's a movie where, the, you know, like, it's about this doctor who's making people into, like, animal hybrids and stuff. So there's these, like, dog monster people. And so Richard Stanley doesn't leave. Richard Stanley, like, d- gets some of these costumes and, like, dresses up as a dog person and sneaks back onto the set. The fuck? He's this huge weirdo. I mean, the movie ends up coming. I forget who they eventually brought in to finish the director, but I mean, the movie's complete shit show. Like, studio lost tons of money. Like, one of their biggest disasters. Richard Stanley never works for a big studio again. Like, I looked at his because when I heard that he was directing this, I looked him up. Like, I looked to see what was on his IMDb. It's all you know. It's a couple of shorts, and that's about it. So I don't. I don't. I mean, this isn't a mainstream movie by any means but i don't i don't really understand how it got made at all hmm it's it's really i mean it's a hell of a thing but it's very committed like it's not one of these things where it's like oh it's based on lovecraft but we just get a little bit weird it's like this is like full on bizarre disgusting monster creatures and we're going to show them a lot and for the first part of the movie i'm like man nicholas cage is really reserved in this movie but then he goes like full-on nicholas cage crazy oh nicholas cage do you have a favorite nicholas cage movie I mean, the thing about Nicolas Cage is Nicolas Cage can actually act when he wants to. Yeah. Like, he's he's very good. And he's sort of, I guess, I mean, I would say he's become a parody of himself in the way that, like, kind of Pacino is, but I think Cage is a little bit more a a little bit more self-aware and plays into it. But I don't know. I mean, Raising Arizona, maybe. Um, he's really good in adaptation. Hmm. Um, I know people don't really like it. I really liked the... Um, oh, what was it called? Do-do-do-do-do. I can't remember what it's called. Oh, uh, the, the, the Herzog movie he did. Uh, Bad Lieutenant. He's really good in that. And I like, I like later, like, crazy Nicolas Cage, too. Like, the one he did last year, Mandy. 
the like just ultra violent like he's like just killing the shit out of people throughout that entire movie Yeah, this one was weird. Like, I'm glad I saw it. I, I don't feel compelled to ever see it again. I don't even know if I particularly liked it. But I... I'm impressed by it. In terms of it just being very committed. The effects are good. And it's just... It is... Like, it is the movie that it is. Completely unapologetically. And I think it's cool that Richard Stanley got to direct a movie. Well... Shit you saw on movies this week. Yeah, it was a lot. I don't normally do that. I know. I still want to see Jojo Rabbit uh, before the Oscars. And I, I forget what else I want to see. I want to see Parasite. Um, what other movies are nominated? I could live without seeing Ford and Ferrari. Because Christian Bale just does yeah, nothing yeah. for me as an actor. <laughs> Um, I just don't care about cars at all. Me neither. Like, I don't get fascination with cars. I mean, like, I do, but at the same time, like, I look at a car and I I think, if I crash in this, what car, or if I crash in a car, which car am I most likely to survive in? That's the kind of car I gravitate towards. Not, <laughs> yeah. look at these rims. Isn't it neat? Wouldn't you think? Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Next week's next weekend. I I get to see Ryan Johnson in person. Holy shit! I'm gonna lose my goddamn mind. Yeah. So um, the there's a museum of uh, moving pictures in Queens, and they're doing they're showing Knives Out with with like an introduction and shit by Ryan Johnson. Oh my god, I'm so happy for you. It's going to be so much fun. I love him. I love him so much. Have you picked out what you're going to wear yet? I'm going to die. Like I can't. I'm I I don't know, but I am going to wear my directed by Ryan Johnson baseball cap. Yay! Oh my god, you need pictures. Are you going to be able to like talk to him and everything? That is unclear. Cuz I don't like I don't know how I don't know like how big of a screening it is. Like I've never been to anything there, so I don't know how large that auditorium is or anything. I I hope he does like a little like meet and greet or something afterwards. But also, well, what am I going to say to Ryan Johnson? I have nothing to say to Ryan Johnson except, oh my god, I love That's... you, and I don't I don't want to I don't want to be that person, dude. Everyone's that person because it's Ryan Johnson. I mean, he'll appreciate it too. You know, especially like he's going to think your hat is like the coolest thing he's ever seen. So, yeah, you should go talk to him. <laughs> Be like, hi. You should Ugh. you should give him a pin of our podcast. No. Yes. Way. He would love it. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I'm not going to be like, "Hey, here one of my favorite directors working today. Here's a thumb something for you to throw away and Yeah, two but no, he'd appreciate it. Be like, "Hey, I have a podcast I named it after um after a place in your movie you don't have to listen i just want to give it to you no not happening what if he's interested in ben mendelsohn movies you know (laughs) you never know (laughs) oh my god 
Oh, maybe he would like our segments. I don't know. Ryan, if you're listening to this, um, hello. I'm glad that Emily gave you a pin of our podcast because Emily's very smart. <laughs> and I came up with this great idea. No. Um, oh. I mean, he is one of the very few people on this podcast who we have exclusively said nice things about. He's really the only person we've ever said nice things about. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no, no. Like, we say nice things about Steel Saunders. We just also say terrible things about Steel Saunders. Yeah, because we roast the ones we love. And that's Steel Saunders. Yes. Oh, well, I'm... S- oh, man, I'm excited for you. I still need to see Knives Out. I haven't seen that one yet. Oh, that's so good. I'm so happy there's going to be more of them. Me too. Um. Well, do you want to get into some Star Wars news a little bit? Yeah, we probably should do it at yeah. some point. So, remember last week when it was heavily rumored that the Obi-Wan Kenobi series is, like, done, over. Everyone broke up with each other. Yeah. And then a couple of hours later, that was done, and everything was fine. And nothing has changed since. Yeah. But now, there are rumors saying that everything's postponed because um, they need to write better scripts. This is interesting to me because, correct me if I'm wrong... At D23, when they announced this, didn't they say that the scripts were all written? The scripts were all written. It it seems like it's weird that it would take you that long to realize that the scripts were shitty. What I remember um, someone telling me was that they said that, but not that they lied, but it was actually the scripts for that... um, Remember that unnamed Obi-Wan project that they were supposed to do after Solo, then Solo did so bad that they canceled it? That was the script they were talking about. I mean, yeah. Oh, well, that is just a lie, then. I mean, but even, okay, so let's say they were going to, like, base the show off that original script or whatever. They still said that the scripts were done. And... Like, it's a weird thing to me to lie about. So I wonder if it was a lie or if there's something that happened that made this, like, that made Lucasfilm suddenly panic about the story they had and decide that they needed to do something else. But I mean, props to them for realizing that it was a shitty story and being like, no, let's let's take our time. Let's write it instead of... But at the same time, they probably shouldn't have said, hey, we have the scripts written because that might have been a lie. I don't know. Don't fucking lie. That, that's all I ask. Yeah, so now it's kind of like it's still happening, but it might be delayed. And then Ewan McGregor came out and said, oh, we're still like, yes, the, like production's delayed, but we're still going to hit our... Um, when it was originally supposed to be released, although, I mean, they never said when it was originally supposed to be released, so that's easy enough to lie about, unless it's delayed by, like, a year or something. 
I wouldn't be surprised. I see a Cassie, Cassian coming and then Obi-Wan coming. I don't care. I mean, like, I know that it's still going to happen. T- take your time. Writers, Deborah Chow, Lucasfilm, Kathleen, take your time. You know? Yeah, I mean, there is, there is, you know, they brought in a new writer, but Deborah Chow is still attached as to direct it all. And that makes me happy. I was worried about that. She's great. I'm excited to see more of her work. Yeah, and like I'd rather I'd rather have the show be on like you know, six months later and be better. Me too. Just give me a good Star Wars. That's all I want. Because the Mandalorian was some of the best Star Wars we'll ever get. Probably the some of the best Star Wars we've ever received. So just, you know, keep doing doing you. Keep keep that magic going. Yeah, you know, we'll we'll see what happens with this, and hopefully, it hopefully the show happens. But like, I'm not I'm not gonna go into panic mode about it yet. And yeah, hopefully it happens, and it's better for the delay. Yeah. Also, some more Star Wars news. We got a Clone Wars trailer on Wednesday. Yes, we did. Finally. I know. Um, I don't think we're going to dive deep into the trailer because, yeah, I mean, it's Clone Wars. We kind of know what's going to happen. But, Emily, what do you think of the trailer? I mean, it's fine. I don't, I don't, I don't care about any of these people, so it doesn't really do anything for me, but it's fine. What were you your thoughts? I don't know. I really liked it. I mean, I've always been into the Clone Wars. I've been into like Ahsoka and the different arcs and everything. Um, I'm just excited to finally see it because, you know, for years we just got those unfinished arcs that were on like YouTube or something and I would watch those and now I get to see those arcs um, finished and then the Siege of Mandalore, something that we've only seen in the Ahsoka novel. And I'm interested because it seemed like they were showing some clips from like after Order 66. So I'm really curious to to see the timing on the show or to see like if they're doing some scenes like kind of during the events of Revenge of the Sith, which is really exciting. (sighs) Yeah, I'm, I'm... I'm interested to see what they like what they do with the timeline here. Me too. Ugh. I'm just reminded of just how much I, I really enjoy the prequels, just getting excited like for the Clone Wars again. You know? It just it, it makes me happy that we're getting some of that material back. Well that's good. Yeah. Um and released on February twenty first. So, let me check the calendar. That is a Friday. So, I guess Disney Plus is keeping the Friday releases, which is fine. I mean, I wish that some shows, like, started on, like, different days, but I'm just nitpicking. You know, as much as I'm really loving Disney Plus right now, like, it's fine. Like, we're getting Clone Wars. It's fine. You know? Yeah, and I mean, with the streaming show, it doesn't, I mean, for me anyway, it doesn't really affect my at all when it comes out 
But um, and the first episode is the Bad Batch, right? That's what's rumored. So they're starting off with the Bad Batch arc, and that's an arc that's already been seen, but not uh, finished with the animation. So I haven't watched that in a while. So hopefully you'll like it, Emily. But it's very clone centered. Yeah. I mean, it just did good. Like the one thing that that I, you know, in the in the trailer that I liked is when you have Rex being like the clones have very mixed feelings about the war because it's the reason that we exist at all. And if they actually, you know, explore some shit, then I'm happy. Yeah. Hopefully they do. Mm, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm torn on the siege of Mandalore just because I'm like. Mandalorian definitely made me more interested in all things Mandalore, but I also I'm just over Darth Maul. I'm over Darth Maul, but not this Darth Maul. This is the only Darth Maul I will ever be interested in because, you know, we had Rebels Darth Maul and I'm like, oh great, another character they're bringing back. And then we have Solo Darth Maul and I'm like, oh great, he's back. But I'm interested to see how Maul got from here to Solo and and Rebels. Because I forget what happened first. Oh, yeah. Because what happened first was Siege of Mandalore, then Solo, then Rebels. So then, never mind. I'm not going to really figure out anything. I just want to see how this battle with Ahsoka ends and how his reign uh, finishes on Mandalore or who knows like I don't know I just am interested in this mall huh. is there anything you're not looking forward to about the Clone Wars watching the Clone Wars you know I I finished Resistance and we'll get into Resistance during our Resistance talk but I feel like I feel the same way that you do about the Clone Wars with me and Resistance yeah I mean then be glad that Resistance wasn't six goddamn seasons long do you like Resistance better than the Clone Wars oh definitely like, when the show's good, yes, absolutely. Because I actually, like, I, I care about the people in it. And I care about the story that they're telling. I mean, the not all of it, but I, I do care about, like, the stuff that's actually about the Resistance versus the First Order. I really, really like. Hmm. <sighs> well. Only, you know, I, th I think that's what, 12 episodes this season of The Clone Wars is or something. It's, it'll go by fast, hopefully. Like, May will be over and you'll be done with The Clone Wars. And then June will appear. Then July. And then August. When Star Wars Celebration is. And speaking of Star Wars Celebration, I'm so proud of this segue. Um, Disney 
announced that they're doing their Disneyland After Dark Star Wars night on Thursday, August 26th. Okay. It's very exciting, Emily, because I have called this for a long time that Disney is going to do an event because, hey, we have all these people flying here for Star Wars Celebration. Might as well get them to come into Disneyland. So I've done one of these events before. It was fine. Very lackluster. Long lines. You know, you get to meet Darth Maul, Seventh Sister. Um, different characters are rebels. So this or that. Um, but the park is basically dead. Like, you're wait- all the people are waiting in line to get their pictures with the characters. But you can go on, like, Space Mountain. You can go on Rise of the Resistance. I don't know if they're still going to be doing their virtual queue or Fast Pass system. Because speaking of the Fast Pass system, it now works in Florida starting late february that you can start getting fast passes for smugglers run which is very interesting and i think that disneyland will start doing that not soon but like maybe in the next year because florida always moves faster than us for some reason but yeah i i definitely recommend that anyone who's going to star wars celebration should come to this um i mean tickets are a little pricey um, they range around like 104 through $115, but you're given, you're given like a, an interesting Disneyland experience that you'll never get, you know, anywhere else, you know, like. Wasn't, wasn't the first word you used to describe this lackluster? Yeah, but Emily, you're with your friends. Like I went and I went with Rusty, which was cool. Like, but you get to see Eric Struthers. Um, possibly Johnny Grosso, Emily Lind. Like, think of, think of that. Okay. I could, I will already have been seeing Eric Strothers outside of Disney. But still, you don't get a Disney experience every day with Eric Strothers or Jonesy and Lady J or Jesse and Hawes, you know, like you don't. Like, it's so exciting to think about, you know, something for me, especially something that I do a lot and thinking about that. I'll be doing it with all of the people that I love. Like, that's going to be like just all the things that make me happiest. Disneyland, Star Wars and my friends, you know, that's why everyone should do it. Are you going to do it? I mean, I will if everybody's going. I mean, it on like, it's not like it's. Just, I don't like crowds, so I like. I already like conventions are difficult. I will make it comfortable, exciting, thrilling, fun for you, for everyone. I'm just. I'm so excited. Like I. I want to be like like a fun tour guide you know but not like an annoying tour guide where like okay i i get it i'm at disneyland but like i don't know i just want everyone to have fun i don't know but yeah it, sh- it should be fun um they haven't really announced when they're selling the tickets for this yet um uh, from my understanding usually with the events they have the annual pass holders have first dibs on tickets than everyone else but no, them knowing that there's going to be a ton of people in the Anaheim area for Star Wars Celebration, 
more people might buy tickets, but I don't know. Like I see a lot of people like our friend Catherine that are like worried that they'll sell out, but I think everyone should be fine. I mean, definitely like the second that they start selling tickets, you should get one. But I don't know. I just don't want anyone to stress about this. Like this is going to be a good time. Like honestly, like why I thought it was lackluster last time was because like if I wanted to take pictures with, you know, characters and everything, I had to wait in line. And that's not really my thing. And the food sucked and everything, but I don't know. I feel like they'll step it up this time around. And they have to, because, I mean, there's people going to be traveling here from, you know, all over the world because of Star Wars Celebration. Wouldn't you think that, you know, Disney would see that and be like, hey, like, let's try to make this a little better. And plus Galaxy's Edge is here, too. And they're opening it up for this event. So everyone will be in Galaxy's Edge while no one will be online for Peter Pan. So that's where I'm going to be riding Peter Pan because that ride is always busy. What's the Peter Pan ride? Um... It's just, it's in Fantasyland. Basically, you're in a pirate ship, and it's like a storybook. You know, you're going through the events of Peter Pan. And that's one of the most popular rides in Disneyland for some reason. My theory is, is because um, there's only four seats per um, boat, and people get in line for it, and it's a long wait. And then the whole mentality that, oh, there's a lot of people waiting in line for this. This means it's a really good ride. I don't know. It's just it's one of those like rare she, rides at Disney. Um, I'm sorry. This is not at all about Star Wars, but TMZ reported that Kobe Bryant died in a helicopter crash. Dude, I was reading that during when you were talking about Nicolas Cage and I was like, what the fuck? Why didn't you fucking say something? I don't know. I didn't know what to do, but oh my God. I was going to wait to tell you after, but fuck. Jesus, and at least three other... Oh, man. Five, five people. I know. Oh, that's awful. I know. I can't believe that. There's a lot of people, like, saying right now that they think it's a hoax or that they're hoping it's a hoax. I don't think so because multiple places have already um, reported this. TMZ was the first to report this about, like... 30 to 45 minutes ago so that's so fucking sad and shocking like what the I don't know yeah I mean I'm sorry just yeah that's Jesus yeah ugh well I don't know I, I think that if you're thinking about going, you should go. I mean, anyone who has any questions, know I'm here to answer all of them any time of the day. I'm here 24-7. Ask me questions. But I don't know. I recommend it. Everyone should go. Emily, you should go. It's going to be fun. Yeah, I mean, I'll go to hang out with people. Yeah, and then, you know, if, you, if you're if you not able to get tickets to this, like, don't stress. Like, you can still get into Disneyland on, like, a normal day. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's going to be fun regardless. I mean, it, everyone who's in the area for... Emily, you're... How long are you going to be in Anaheim for? Like, a week? Yeah, it is, so far it is undecided. Okay. But, 
yeah, I don't know. Like, if, if you go, go. If you can't, it's okay. Like, the parks shouldn't be too bad. You know, it wasn't really bad, like, last year during the summer. It, it's going to be hot, though. I don't know. I mean, if anyone has any questions, just please. I, I love answering any Disney questions, so... <laughs> that is your that is your niche huh? that is that's my thing like uh it just it, it makes me so happy just being able to help anyone especially with like disney stuff like it uh, like i was helping one of our friends out with like because they're going to florida luckily so i was giving them tips and everything but huh i miss florida i need to go back I almost wish that uh, Star Wars Celebration was in Florida again, so that would give me an excuse to go to Disney World. (laughs) But yeah, um, do you want to move on to Star Wars Resistance? Yeah, sure. I mean, I don't have a ton to say about it. I I thought it was a really good episode. Yeah. Um, I like... I like uh, Commander Doza a lot. I mean, I like all the Dozas, but it was cool that she's back. I was glad to see her reunited with her family. And she's awesome, basically. I really like her. I wish we got, have, I wish we got more of her, you know, last season, this season, because she's always been like that mysterious character. Like, I didn't even know that there was a Mrs. Doza, you know, until like a couple episodes ago. And I'm like, oh, cool. Yeah, I had just been working under the assumption that she was another, like, dead Disney parent, you know? Yeah, but th- thank God she isn't, because she, I, she's badass. Like, I love her. Like, resistance pilot. I don't know. I, I liked a lot about this episode, which was surprising, because yeah. every other episode, I'm just like, get this away from me. But no, I really like this. Kaz wasn't yeah, too bad. Yeah, she's Jade. Yeah, she's... She's Jade Leader, and they're going to help escort some resistance recruits. And then the fucking First Order shows up, because that's what they do. And it was good good stuff. There's stuff like when she's talking to Yeager about, um, about Tam, and that she thinks... That Tam isn't a lost cause, but that Tam needs to figure it out on her own. Like, that's not something anybody can can do for her. But I like how, like, how how excited Yeager was when she told him, you know, that had, that Tam had seemed conflicted. Because just, la- you know, the last episode, he's like, well, maybe it's time to give up on her. But obviously, he doesn't really feel that. That's just him, like, trying to convince himself to let it go. Yeah, I really like that, you know, because we see all these characters reacting to, you know, Tam joining the First Order, but seeing that little, like, glimmer of hope that, you know, that she was telling him, you know, she has to figure this shit out on her own. Like, that was a really great moment. And, you know, during that moment, I was thinking, like, I wish Resistance could have been, you know, like this, because I don't know, like... I've always been, like, rooting for Tam or rooting for, you know, the Colossus, but I haven't really, like, connected with anyone. And I feel like at this moment when we had that little hope for Tam, like, I was like, oh, I'm I'm connected with, you know, with Tam. 
and Yeager. I think that little center of characters are the only characters that I'm really like invested in in the series. Like I don't really care about anyone else. Like Kaz, I love Niku. This episode didn't have enough Niku, which was disappointing. Yeah, there's not really any Niku in it. I love Niku. But No, I liked it. And we see we definitely do see that that's true, Kit Tam, you know, she's the one when they're talking about the the transport shuttles and destroying them all she's the one who's like, But aren't aren't transport shuttles unarmed? And she's obviously super uncomfortable with this mission. She again, you know, doesn't shoot down Kaz when she could have. But, you know, now she's ends up in charge of her squadron because the other lady gets killed. And she's not excited about it. So, another thing that I really liked about this episode was that we finally see Tam realize, fuck, what am I doing? Like, this was the big wake-up call yeah. for her. And, you know, I've been expecting this moment for a long time, especially, like, how conflicted she was. You know, and I was thinking in the beginning, like, I'm probably going to be, like, mad this is happening. But I, I get it, especially because... Um, they were trying to save the transports and then the first order was trying to destroy them. And Tam seeing that, you know, they're destroying the transport. She's like, what the, what the fuck is this? This is me. This is what I'm a part of. Like I need to get out. What, what am I doing? I'm glad that she had yeah. that realization. Like she knows still that where, like there's a reason why she's there, but at the same time she's realizing that these are bad people. I'm bad people. Yeah. And I also I also really liked um I thought the the conversation she had with um Tyranny was really cool. Because when when Tyranny's like I wasn't I wasn't born in the first order. I I sought this out cuz I wanted to to make something of myself and to be part of something and I'm like god damn like that's that was really cool cuz I feel like Actually exploring the villains is something that we don't do a lot. Um, and so I thought that was a that was a nice little moment of insight into that character. And I mean pretty scary actually, but really an interesting one. And then that really makes a lot of sense that Don't get me wrong, like, if she find out that, you know, Tam isn't fully committed, she has no problem, like, killing her. But her interest in Tam really isn't just that she had information on the Colossus and could be used against, you know, against them. Like, yes, that's the main motivation, but there obviously is something in Tam that she connects with and feels like she can, you know... Is 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 her own story. But, 
but it's also cool because it means oh that's how she that's how she knew what buttons to push yeah because she had she had the the same sort of uh, desires as uh, when she was younger so she knows like how to manipulate her i wish we would have gotten more of this stuff but i'm glad it's here i really enjoy um agent tyranny like she's she's evil but i really like her yeah i really like man do i wish we had gotten a cool female first order officer and phasma the phasma they waste and doesn't really count i mean partially because she's you know like a just a, a a soldier basically and it would have been cool to have like one of the people in charge one of the officers like don't get me wrong i love richard e grant and he's one of the only things i like about that movie (laughs) but i feel like it would have been cool if that role was a woman yeah it it sucks too because i remember doing my um Star Wars rewatch before the uh, Rise of Skywalker and I saw Phasma and I'm like oh my god like I totally forgot about Phasma and it sucks because she had the potential to be such a great character you know and that wasn't given to her and you know in The Last Jedi when you know she died and everyone's like oh no she's not dead and then the rise of skywalker happens and then afterwards i'm like oh yeah that was a big thing that people were wondering if captain phasma like really survived that fall i mean now we know obviously she didn't or who knows maybe some comic's gonna come out and she's gonna be in it or something i don't know or something like boba fett no one can ever really be dead in star wars do you really think that boba fett's gonna be in season two of the mandalorian though I mean, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why you do that scene otherwise, with the jangle jangle Boba Fett sound. I thought that was um, Gideon. Gideon doesn't make the jangly sound when he walks. Then what's he doing there? What's what's boba still do- oh, wow um, Django. wow what's boba still doing there i don't know i mean seemingly maybe something with shand they better bring her back i swear to god if she's the one person on that show who's actually dead i'm gonna be so pissed off that episode still pisses me off Yeah, it's not good. The only good thing about it was when Baby Yoda was getting babysat. I love Baby Yoda. No, Amy Sedaris in that wig is amazing. I will, I will like fight people over that seed. I love it. It's so stupid. It's so ridiculous, but I love it. So, Emily. Yes. Do you want to talk about The Outsider? Oh my god, I love this show. Me fucking too. 
It's just, it's so well made. It's, it's so well directed. The cinematography is awesome. Like, I just really love it. There's so many interesting, it sounds like a, like a kind of weird thing to say. It's just, and we talked about it a little last week. There's just so many interesting camera choices. Like in this one where the scene, when he's talking to the therapist and for half the scene, it's shot from like through a doorway. So all you see is like the back of Mendo on the couch. You don't see the therapist there at all. It's so cool. I'm so sad this is a mini series. I want a mega series. <laughs> so, things have started to get weird. Yes. Uh, oh, uh, spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. This is for episode three, by the way. Yes. And we'll put in a time code or whatever. But, um... Mendo is still on leave because the whole shooting somebody thing. Um, so you still have the other cop who was brought in to kind of be his temporary replacement. And man, is that guy a jackass. He's weird. He is fucking weird. So, um... Yeah, so we open up, we're at the uh, the barn where we had the clothes found at the end of last week. And they're very gooey. And also, there's some, like, other weird shit going on. Like, some sort of, like, like piece of... Like sort of like you look sort of like like when shake when snakes shed their skin, that this um, the GBI, what I guess is the Georgia Bureau of Investigations, finds, and that guy is still keeping Mendo totally in the loop, which he probably is not supposed to be doing, but whatever. And they're talking about the fingerprints that's all over this stuff, and. The fingerprints are a definite match for Terry, but some of them look older and not older as in like the prints have degraded, older as in they come from an older person, but they still match Terry. Yeah, this is weird. And trying to think like we introduce the character of holly who is a private investigator that is brought in because they um meaning both ralph and terry's um attorney want her to track down exactly what happened when the maitlands were in ohio And it turns out one of the things that happened is an, I think, is he an orderly or is he a nurse? But one of the people who works at the facility that Terry's father was in is arrested for killing two young girls. 
Yeah, I was a nurse. Okay. And before we learn that, we've seen this, we're, we're, we, we cut to these prison scenes where they don't tell you what's going on. And you're seeing this guy in his prison cell. Um, and another prisoner walks by and gives him a not good look. And there's like a, you know, there's an exchange with one of the guards. And in a later scene, this guy gets a note, you know, calling him a child killer. And, you know, he's like, hey, to the guard, you know, I thought our letters were supposed to be screened. And the guard's like, well, I guess one slipped through. So this guy knows that something bad is going to happen to him. And we see him pop a lens out of his glasses. And then it turns out this guy is the guy who was arrested for the killing of these two girls. And when the other prisoner comes in to kill him he's like you don't get to do this and slashes his own throat doesn't he like pull something out of his leg too i wasn't sure whether that was him or whether that was the guy who was going to kill him i thought it was him because i thought that he was doing that at the same time he was sharpening that thing that he ended up killing himself with. He does, like, yeah, there's a there's a shiv pulled out of a leg, a leg and an arm. Maybe I think it's an arm. It was a leg. I can't. I can't. Maybe it's his leg. But it's fucking nasty. Ugh. I can't do it. It was pretty gross. But, yeah, so that guy killed himself. So, number one, I love Holly. I love, love, love Holly. Um, I also have no idea what the fuck is going on. Like, I, I think that there's this, like, this person out there who's, like, taking over people's bodies and, like, making them do, th- I, I don't know, or, like, clo- I don't even know. Like, that's the thing. But then it's like these kids, you know, like um, Terry's daughters have these nightmares and, you know, she's telling Mendo like, stop it, Mendo. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, she's been told to give Ralph a message. And it's very like she comes up to her mom and then like and is like, you have to you have to call the. The cop who hurt my dad. And and mom's like, do you mean, do you mean Ralph? And she's like, the sad looking one. <laughs> oh, no. And my poor heart. Yeah. And so, and this is great because we also get, um, and she decides as much as, you know, she blames Ralph for her husband's death, which she's not wrong there. You know, this is her daughter. So she knows that she's got to at least make an attempt here. So Ralph and his wife come over and um, Mary Whittingham does a great with this. She's, she's Ralph's wife and she's the one who really ends up talking to the daughter and, and getting this, this whole story. And the, yeah, the message is, 
you know, tell him to stop. And they're like, well, stop what? But she doesn't know. The message is just tell him to stop. And then, and then he'll leave the little girl alone. And in a creepy ass line, Ralph tells her, you know, you don't have to be, you don't have to be afraid of him. And she goes, I think you're supposed to be the one who's afraid. And, oh, it's creepy. But, yeah, Holly is great. We get, um, Holly is, um, I mean, there's some extreme OCD, probably autistic or neurodivergent in some way, at least. And also has some, like, memory savant stuff and there's a there's this great thing because she won't she won't work with ralph unless she meets him first so we get this great scene we're in the they're in a bar together it's it's him and holly and the um the other private investigator the one that that terry's lawyer hired in the first place who's the one who makes this introduction and she starts talking about doppelgangers and has some line about, well, well, you know, if this is a myth. And Ralph picks up on that and says he has no patience. No no tolerance for the inex- unexplainable. And then she takes great offense to that because she says that she herself is unexplainable. And, you know, that her parents did all this testing on her when she was a kid to try to figure out what was going on with her. And, you know, like all that came back, like, you know, all of these different people and all these different doctors were basically like, yeah, I have no fucking idea. And and Ralph's reaction to her endears me to him forever because his reaction is, your parents let them do that to you? And it's, like, such a sweet moment. And I think such a, like, telling moment for the character of Ralph that that's what he, he focuses on is that, she was a little kid and was hurting and her parents like were forcing her to go through all these tests and stuff and she was scared and it just oh it was so lovely i'm not used to mendel being this caring and this because i was surprised by that reaction too of him being like you know your parents did that to you you know just ralph just you know the importance of you know being being a good husband or you know like he probably was the best father and it's just amazing seeing like all of these wonderful things in a character that is usually <laughs> slimy and gross you know like it's yeah. it's really cool seeing mendo like this i love soft dad mendo this is the best mendo like this is this is my mendo like this is the mendo i signed up for I like this Mendo, and I like his flannel shirts. Can I be Mendo for Halloween, like this Mendo? Like, <laughs> There's not much of a costume. That's why it's easy for me, because I stress the fuck out about Halloween, because I'm like, what am I supposed to be? You're probably going to need a wig. 
Ugh, I hate wigs. I don't like hiding my red hair. I mean, the red, the red hair is the red, really long hair is is gonna make it a difficult costume for you. I know, like, and I told you that, like, when I dressed up as like an old lady for like a Halloween party, like, and I had a cane, still walked up to me, and he's like, "Hey, are you okay?" (laughs) (laughs) I know you never told me that story. Yeah, he walked out to me and he's like, what's up with the cane? I'm like, it's part of the costume. Okay, that's, that is precious. I was so embarrassed that people actually thought it was hurt. And I'm like, no, it's the costume. And my sister's like, you should have dyed your hair like, or, you know, spray painted your hair like gray. And I'm like, I don't want anything to touch my hair. So that, that's what I get for being fucking lazy and getting old people clothes from Goodwill and a cane and showing up to a party and everyone just being like, is Brittany okay? That's, that's amazing. Holy shit. Uh, <laughs> uh, the, other, the other big important thing that happens to this episode is to jerk is jerk cops named jack yeah okay so jack so jack's been called to go out to the barn when the bureau is still there and everything but he doesn't want to because it's an hour away and he's a lazy piece of shit so he takes a detour to the goddamn strip club um which apparently it's just going to be a major location in the show i was not expecting that but um (laughs) i really i really like the bouncer guy at the strip club by the way i like him greatly i don't know why i just do but so he takes the time to not only go to this strip club but be a real asshole to the dancer like that made me that made him really mad and then of course by the time he gets to the barn everybody else is gone but he goes in on his own and it's all creepy and weird and then he hears something and he turns around and for a second he sees a figure and then it's gone and then something is done to him specifically to the back of his neck and there's a gross sound effect and he's obviously in a lot of pain but we don't actually see what's happening and then Later in the episode, like, it's like he's got this gnarly rash on it, and it's all gross, and he's still in a lot of pain, and then he's, like, in the strip club and, like, raises a big fuss there, and at the end of the episode, we see him, like, sitting on a bed. It's just really tight, close on him, and it's like, he's just saying, I'll, you know, I'll do, I'll do it, I'll do whatever you want, just make it stop. interesting oh and we also find out that when um when his kid died ralph started to drink pretty fucking heavily and we see his like a shot of him like in a like big bar fight And there's a cool scene, like, one of the things I forgot, but, like, in the bar scene with Holly when they're first meeting, when she 
when she goes to leave, she stops at him and goes, "It, it's obviously that you don't like to drink very much, but you did it to make me comfortable, and I appreciate that. And that also was a really cool moment. I like them. Yeah. I like I like their connection. Yeah, I'm really I really like her a lot. It's a, it's a character I really liked in the book and I'm glad to see how she's being portrayed on the show. I also really like her. They have a really they have a we're just seeing the beginnings of it now, but they have a very cool relationship starting. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I feel like I can't trust any of these characters and that everyone has, like, something to hide, something else, you know, that we're going to find out. Like, especially with Mendo. Yeah, I don't know. It's like, I want to trust that Mendo's actually a good guy in this. But I don't know. I don't know anyone. Like, even Terry's wife, still, I'm still a little iffy about, you know? Because it was interesting when... You know, because she wanted to meet up with the, her daughter, wanted to meet up with Ralph to tell her about the dream. And she refused to have her talk to Ralph. She had her wife or Ralph's wife be like the middleman in all this. And then, you know, they had that beautiful moment when, you know, she was like, I, you know, I wish Terry was here. There was an incident, you know, with one of our daughters that we had and Terry handled it beautifully. And I miss him. I don't know. It just there's just something, you know. And maybe it's just me, like, overlooking it. Like, yeah, this terribly tragic thing happened to this woman's husband. Like, because of Ralph. And I should understand that. You know, that's probably a great reason why, you know, she doesn't see Ralph. But I don't know. Like, I can't trust anyone. <laughs> and I'm right, because you're not saying anything. Well, I'm not going to say anything to you no matter what. Oh, I know. It's just really interesting. It's like, I want to know. And then it's like, I don't want to be spoiled. But I don't, I'm just, I'm really interested where this goes. Like, I don't know if it's like a kid's thing. Cause it's like all the kid the kids are having this. And then like, there was that one little girl that saw Terry with his like face and everything covered in blood. Like, I don't know. I'm really curious about this. And then fucking Jack, who got bit by the mask guy or something. And now he's probably going to do something bad. I don't know. I want to know what this mask figure is doing and why it's doing that. You know? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what you're supposed to be feeling, I would imagine. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what's supposed to happen next week, but I'm excited. I'm so glad it's good. Were you worried that it wouldn't be? Yeah. Stephen King adaptations are pretty hit and miss. What was the last um, adaptation? Not it, but... um. Um... Well, there's been a couple of Netflix ones. Uh, in the in the tall grass, and um, I think Gerald's Game was Netflix, and it's 
Eh. I mean, it's fine. Um. But, uh, oh, there, the other, um, TV show was the, the JFK assassination one. That one I didn't watch. Um. 11 I think that was on Hulu. That's one with James Franco. Oh yeah, James Franco. But then you also had like that Pet Cemetery remake is garbage. Um I really not like I did not like Doctor Sleep. Um, I haven't watched Mr. Mercedes at all. Because I didn't, I mean, that book was okay, but not enough for me to watch a TV show about it. Yeah, I feel like this show is just really, it, it's, it probably was a good book. It, it gets hard sometimes because it's like, you can have a really good book, but you know, putting it on the big screen could be, like, really difficult. And I feel like this one, just everything's been flowing really well. Yeah, I think it is a decent book that was made into a really good show. I mean, the cast is awesome. Even even apart from Mendo, the cast is really good. They've... It doesn't... So often, I think, horror stuff and supernatural stuff just looks cheap. But... HBO has spent a lot of money on this. Sh- I mean, not, you know, it's not Game of Thrones money or that because there's no dragons or anything, but the show has a decent budget and looks really good. And again, like the camera and like the directing is interesting. It's not just a, like a regular, like multi-cam, like network drama or something. Yeah. And we'll see, because we'll see as the weirdness progresses, how they handle it. Yeah, I'm excited to see. Yeah, like the weirdness in it was such a thing, like it was okay in a book, in a show I was worried it was going to be kind of goofy. It still could go kind of goofy, but I have high hopes. Yeah, me too. I hope it's not too scary. Uh oh. It's scary. Oh no. I mean, it's horror. Really. Yeah, Stephen King's good at that. Sometimes. At least it's not it. It was just a lot. No clowns, thank God. <laughs> no clowns. No, where's Johnny? No, uh, whatever else he does. Okay, well, it's not where's Johnny. <laughs> Here's Johnny. That's, that's not the catchphrase. <laughs> now I'm just wondering where Johnny is. <laughs> where's Johnny? <laughs> 
<laughs> oh dear. Um, <laughs> do you want to get to it? Uh, email and sure. all that stuff real quick? Sure. All right. Um, we're going to do a continuation of Catherine's uh, Fuck, Mary Kill from last week. Um, this time it is Ahsoka Tano uh, from Rebels, Luminara Unduli, The Clone Wars, and Asajj Ventress, also from The Clone Wars. Um, kill Ahsoka, marry Luminara, and fuck Asajj Ventress. I mean, I know one of these reasons, but uh, what about, or why would you want to kill Ahsoka? I mean, I don't particularly, I don't, I don't particularly want to kill Ahsoka, but... It's specifically Ahsoka from Rebels, and I really didn't, I, I mean, I didn't really watch her in Rebels. The only, I mean, I did see parts of that stupid time travel shit, and I did not like it. So, that's why. That's fair. And Luminara is, like, I mean, unobjectionable. She's fine. Yeah, that's obvious. Um, I would... I would fuck Asajj, marry Ahsoka, and kill Luminara. I have nothing against Luminara, but I think I would rather marry Ahsoka. Because I, I really like Ahsoka. Like, she's kind, she's loyal. You know, you want a spouse who, you know, can... You know, make sure that, you know, protect you and make sure that you're safe. And I, I feel like Ahsoka would make me feel like I'm safe. Okay. And I don't know, like, Luminara is fine. I have nothing against Luminara. Um, I just wouldn't fuck her. I would, uh, Asajj, yeah, because Asajj is badass. And I mean, it wouldn't be boring. I'll say that. Yeah, and I mean, Luminara doesn't have any of that experience, I don't think. Like, Asajj has to. Oh, definitely. But yeah. Uh, thank you, Catherine. I would love to hear your reactions, or your responses to this, Catherine. So let us know what you chose from these people. Um, do you want to read, um, email from Willis? Yes. And the subject line in this is Mendo Plus. Ahoy, ahoy. <laughs> I imagine someone has, has made this joke already at some point, but how would you feel about a Disney Plus series called The Mendogorian? It would feature a creed of people who wear rubber ben- Mendelssohn masks and fly around having space adventures. It would also feature Baby Mendo, which would be a small chibi puppet of a fully grown Ben Mendelssohn. <laughs> I'm not sure who the villains would be. Possibly some New Zealanders like Brett and Jermaine from Flight of the Concords. Season one with, in- with Mendo taking off his rubber Ben Mendelsohn mask to reveal the actor Ben Mendelsohn. May the force be with you. Willis. I mean, that sounds <laughs> goddamn terrifying. <laughs> Can I get a Ben Mendelsohn mask and, and ride around and... Uh... 
jetpacks and everything. I mean, you have a Mendo mask already, right? Yeah, it's not a rubber one. It's a paper one, but yeah. Maybe this is what we should do at Disney after dark. <laughs> get kicked out? We can't get kicked out for wearing Mendo masks. I mean, they're going to allow cosplaying. We're cosplaying as Mendo. It's perfect. We're going to get our little jetpacks and we're going to be part of the Mandalorians. It's pretty great. My favorite is season one to end with Mendo taking off his rubber Ben Mendelssohn mask and reveal the actor Ben Mendelssohn. <laughs> oh my God, Wills. How the fuck do you come up with this stuff? This is great. It's pretty good. I would watch I would watch that show, yes. I know it would give me a terrible nightmares. I don't think so. But I can't imagine like i I mean, I, I love Baby Yoda. Love Baby Yoda. I just don't know like Baby Mendo? Like I don't think it compares. <laughs> I think it would be really frightening. Like, is there just a planet somewhere that is growing actor Ben Mendelssohn's, like, everywhere? Like, are they going to send, like, a, a full-grown Ben Mendelssohn to each planet or something? Like, are we waiting for our arrival for Ben Mendelssohn, you know? like I think we already got our Ben Mendelssohn, and that is, in fact, Ben Mendelssohn. But maybe it's, like, different... Like, okay, wait. So... Where do you think Ben Mendelsohn is right now? Do you think he's like in Australia? Do you think he's in New York? Because part of me is hoping that he's just chill in Australia right now. Because maybe this is like a continental thing. Like there's a Ben Mendelsohn in every country or every every part of the world. Like there is a Mendo near us maybe. And then there's a Mendo in Australia. There's a Mendo in the UK. There's a Mendo in, I don't know. That's a what lot. If, That's a lot of Ben Mendos. I know. Like, and then what if, like, you know, it's like in the movies. Like, what if, like, there's Flannel Dad Mendo somewhere, and then there's Shiny Cape Robin Hood Mando- Mendo somewhere, and... So you think every role that Ben Mendelsohn has played has actually been a different Ben Mendelsohn? That's your theory? You never know. I mean, because you, you cause sometimes people, you know, like Tom Hanks. Like, Tom Hanks plays the same person in every movie. And, yeah, it's safe to say that maybe Tom Hanks is one of the characters that he has played. You know, from Mr. Robinson to Walt Disney. Like, maybe Tom Hanks is just like Walt Disney. I'm not saying that Ben Mendelsohn is not, like, Krennic or Robin Hood guy. But you never know. I mean, probably if you want there to be an actor who has existed in, like, all of their characters, it is not Ben Mendelsohn, because he has played some pretty gnarly dudes. Yeah. Like, I don't want to meet, like, Animal Kingdom Ben Mendelsohn or Una Ben Mendelsohn. Yeah, those are, those do not count. Those are, (laughs) those are not Mendos. Like, I I would prefer to not have the, like, pedophile characters. How was Bloodline Mendo? Um, not a good dude. Sad. But, um, not, not a great guy. 
Why is he always sad? I mean, he plays a lot of ex addict, well, and current like addicts and stuff. Yeah, he's off. He's good at being troubled. But that's kind of why I like this show because he's he yeah he's sad, but he's just just genuinely a good guy. He is. And he wears he wears soft dad clothes. That's true. Soft dad Mendo. Huh. Well, thank you, Willis, uh, for your email. I, I I don't know. I just I think it would be a crime to not have Mendo in a Disney Plus show or, you know, the Cassian show or something. Like we need him. Yes. We need Mendo. Yes. Put him in Cassian. Bring him to celebration to do like autographs or something. That's not happening. You never know, Emily. You never know. Um. Yeah, I think that's it. Do you, anything else? I don't think so. Sweet. All right, Emily. Where can we find you and the podcast on social media? I'm on Twitter and Instagram at EFLind. The show is on Twitter and Instagram at CantabitePod. And you can email us CantabitePod at gmail.com. How about you? You can find me on Instagram as Brittany the Ginger. Yeah. So thank you everyone for listening. And we will talk to you guys next time. Bye. Here we go. Yo, 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 and away we go. It's time to serenade my girl Lindo. Sorry, the ladies where I had to say no, but if I'm cheating on Serena, it's on Canto. No shame in the game, make even Rogue One seem tame. But I blame it on Brit with a ginger main main. Yeah, that's fire. Love on the rocks, leaves the love on my socks. Lindo fanfic leaves y'all shocked, especially when y'all truly whips out his cock. Canto bite. Episode 100 Hey yo, I'm back No fulcrum this time I'm on a flight to the bay And I'm writing some rhymes My top three running through my head, you know So I had to come correct When they hit the hundo My girls E and B Deserve congratulations Our adulation for the weekly creation My last celebration was all about them But this time I gotta drop lines for our friends This is for the bitches Strictly for the bitches Give it up for the bitches All the canto bitches This one's for my bitches Only for the bitches Throw your hands up, bitches all my Canto bitches Start off with my Aussies Catherine's a sweet one Brought cash into lunch With Canto bitch number one Josh made it a team And had bourbon and cornflakes The kind of ice cream That made him show me his old face Got to meet Turbo And throw back some brews Fish tacos and San Fran You know we approve Rebecca from Perth I haven't met you yet Last shout to Fruchy Dude I didn't forget This is for the bitches Strictly for the bitches Give it up for the bitches All the Canto bitches This one's for my bitches Only for the bitches Throw your hands up bitches all my canto bitches Rabia and Adele often email the show I cut a track on them trolls with Johnny Grasso Jesse McGee busted a rap for me Met her and horse B at Scum and Villainy King Tom Death Watch The most regal of fathers 
Got to behold the luscious locks of Strata Shouted Rusty last time, so I shout a rush too You know the list ain't complete without lesson, boo This is for the bitches, strictly for the bitches Give it up for the bitches, all the Canto bitches This one's for my bitches, only for the bitches Throw your hands up, bitches, all my Canto bitches Now if I didn't say your name, don't feel no shame You love the fun, the games, and refresher bangs Hang on every word of Lindo's fanfic Where she describes every vein in Mendo's dick Spread the word, maybe buy a t-shirt I don't know, maybe ask the girls if Yaddle squirts Take your CBD, send in your top three, And you'll always be a bitch like me Get him, Eric Holy shit.